Hello and welcome to the Edify Podcast. This is designed for you, preacher, teacher, shepherd, deacon of the kingdom of God, for your edification, for your uplifting, for your ministry. You know, some baseball players never really seem to live up to their potential, all the hype that comes along with recruiting and all of that. But, you know, in spite of having a really God-given talents to excel and to do well, some really just flop. You hear great names in the farm leagues coming up in single, double, triple A, all of that stuff, but they just never come, you know, to fruition. Or, or maybe they're just a journeyman. They pass around through the league. Uh, they're they're handed around. They have a couple of big plays, but, but really they're stagnant and they're not really considered great achievers, you know, in, in Major League Ball. And that could have been the story of Jose Batista if it were not for his coach, hitting coach in particular, Dwayne Murphy. So in 2015, ESPN pieced a, a title called How Jose Batista Became Jose Batista. David Schoenfield, he records uh, Batista's early years as a pro. And he, you know, bounces around in the minors for several years. He made the rosters with the Pirates in 2006. But, you know, for several reasons, he played a backup role. You know, he just hit over maybe over a dozen home runs, you know, each year. He was picked up by the Blue Blue Jays in 2008. And nobody really saw him as this rising superstar. He was a good utility player, but that was was really about it. You're not going to see him starring in your lineup. Uh, in Game 7 of the series. But all of that changed when Jay's uh, batting coach, Dwayne Murphy, started working with Jose. And Murphy watched Batista very closely, um, and he noticed that, that he generated a great torque with his hip, and especially with his hip rotation. But, it, but, he, but what was slow, he was slow in, in bringing around his hands and so Murphy had Batista relax and start his swing earlier by moving his top hand in a small semicircle about a second earlier than he had been doing. This small change would make a major difference. Now, of course, it took several weeks for Jose to get acclimated to this, to get accustomed to this new swing, to just a half a second, you know, different move. But But when he did... The results were clearly uh, paying off. He he hit 12 home runs in one month, and he developed into you know one of the best hitters in baseball for you know most of his career. I mean, we're still saying his name, and it's 2020. But when it comes to realizing you know potential, preachers share um, they share some commonality when it comes to major league players. We may be quote drafted by a local church, and we may show some great promise with homiletical sermons, and 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 maybe we become respected, and 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 we're just journeymen, you know, that do well and and contend well, but but we can fail to reach really our potential, our full potential as preachers. We can become homiletical underachievers. So that's really why. Um, like elite athletes, we can we can benefit from a coach. That's why we need people in our lives, in our preaching lives, just like Dwayne Murphy. So you need to find out who your Dwayne is. That's what this episode is about. Who is your Dwayne? Uh, maybe maybe 
you know, you could say I listen to many preachers, both, you know, in preaching school or in churches or online or whatever. Um, you, you and I have never heard a preacher yet, including yourself and myself, who would not benefit from coaching. You know, there's a lot of preachers that have strong God-given gifts, but however, all of us have specific habits or system systemic patterns, or we say the same word a lot, or maybe it's um, or whatever. And that keeps us from really hitting our potential. So like Jose Batista, before Dwayne Murphy, we swing hard, but we don't really connect as often as we'd like to. And so in short, the heartbeat of this episode is that we would benefit from some coaching, maybe not as a preacher, but maybe as you serve as an elder or a deacon or a Bible class teacher, you would really do well to have some coaching, some tweaking, some some um, some switching some some things up, or maybe maybe having a conversation that you need to have to to better handle yourself or better deal with things a certain way. And but you know, for a preacher, a preaching coach. He doesn't have to be a better preacher than you are, quote. Uh, he can be a comrade, same age, same amount of time preaching, same amount of you know abilities or quality or whatever. But that whole that whole proverbial statement about iron sharpens iron is is really true and it does really well. You know, when Dwayne Murphy was a player, he only hit half as many home runs as Jose Batista, but he was a good coach. I had a coach in high school, Gary Graves, and he said, Sutton, he said, you know who's going to make the best coaches? And I thought, well, no, not really. And he said, it's not going to be your A-team players. He said, but it's rather your B-team players. He said, they they have the ability, but there's somebody who's a little better than they are. And he said, but what the B-team B player gets to see is to see how it's supposed to take place on the field and when a mistake happens, how to handle that mistake because you're standing right behind the coach. And I thought, boy, that's genius. Thank you, Coach Graves. Um, you and I need to have coaches, preaching, elder, deacon, teacher, missionary coaches, people that we can rely upon, people that we can talk to. Um, you know, it may be the case that, you know, when you're looking for a preaching coach, as it were, you want them to have two qualities that make them very, very useful. First off, they know what a home run sermon looks like. Never take advice from somebody who is not a preacher or who does not understand the role of a preacher. Um, and that's an either-or conversation, an either-or um, prerequisite. If, if I have somebody who doesn't know what goes into preaching, then I'm certainly not going to listen to them construct me on how to write a, a an, an exposition. Um I want somebody who's in this mix and somebody who knows, somebody who has been here before uh, or somebody who is in the middle with this with me now. And so somebody who's on the outside, you don't you don't want that. You would not want a ballerina uh, or an opera director to come in and teach you how to hit a ball. That's just not, that's just, just apples and oranges, two different animals. You want somebody who understands what a good sermon looks like. They understand the mechanics, the construction, the delivery, you know, taking off the introduction, the landing of the plane, or whatever it is, you want them to know those things. The second is that they can spot exactly where a preacher is a bit off in his um, sermonic swing, <laughs> if I could borrow that term. 
they can identify uh, in specific terms strong points, weak points, iffy points, um, uh, where you started to tell off or run off or, or chase rabbits or whatever it is. But as a result, they can give you a customized counsel uh, that goes far beyond the whole, hey, preacher, good sermon that we hear sometimes at the door. So let me ask you, if you're listening to this and you're a preacher, let me ask you, preacher to preacher, who gives you wise, knowledgeable feedback on your sermons? Who is it that you know roots for your success as a preacher uh, by helping you root out the bad habits in your preaching? Who is your Dwayne Murphy? I've got a lot of people who are who are cheerleaders. You know, great job, this, that, and the other. But I don't have a whole lot of coaches. Uh, I can name you a few um, who who know what it's like to preach, and they have been trained in 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 how to uh, craft this craft that we call preaching. You know, and it's it's great to read books, and it's great to read blogs on preaching. Those things are additional great tools to help you. And it's wise to watch sermons from those who are great biblical expositors. But nothing will bring you more help than a personalized word from a particular coach whom you know and love. But let's ask this question. Why do we not have a Dwayne in our life? Why are there not, you know, preaching coaches to, to help us? You know, many preachers would agree that a coach could help, but we won't get coaching. It's like the people who say that therapy's great, but they never go for therapy or counseling of any kind. Um, so the question is, why not? Why do you not have one? And there's many reasons, but I just want to focus on just a couple uh, for this, this episode. The first reason is we don't know uh, whom to ask. Where do we find you know, the preaching equivalent of a batting coach. Um, you know, should we ask, you know, preacher peers? Should we ask one of our shepherds? Uh, do we ask people in the crowd? Uh, should we, you know, do we go to a homiletics professor, you know, preaching school, whatever? You know, how about an all-star preacher? You know, we've heard preach, but we don't know personally. Now, while finding the right coach can be a challenge, that's not our major hindrance. And I'm convinced there's a deeper reason, uh, one that gets to a t- that that one. There's a deeper reason that gets to um, that we need to bring up that, and it's really about the test of our hearts. And that's really the heart of this podcast overall is the heart, our heart, as we minister, as we serve. So the first reason is the first reason we don't ask is because we don't. We don't generally know who to ask. The second reason is because dun, 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 we don't really want feedback. We feel uneasy about having someone scrutinize our sermons. You know, deep down, you may live with a little bit of insecurity about your preaching abilities. You know, maybe you know you're not hitting home runs on most Sundays, but at least, you know, we get a good, we get good wood on the bat, you know, on the ball, that is. You know, why should we invite criticism? You know, most of the church enjoys and most of the church has great words to say. Let's not rock the boat. If it's it's not broke, don't fix it. Maybe that's the way you feel. And and really, who would find joy in finding out the flaws of their own sermonic swing? You know, 
on on top of that, as I said, most of the church seems pretty content with the way that you're hitting the ball per se. You know, but what what it really can come down to, and the heart test is, is that we play it safe, and we choose not to seek out an an informed analysis. You know, really of our preaching, we don't we don't want to know. I hope not. I hope that you are so dedicated to the cause of Christ, so dedicated to the purity of the gospel, and the the deliverance of the gospel that you are in no way sidetracked by your own crooked heart to stay idolized in your own mind. But but here's what we've discovered. As we think about these two objections, you know, once we deal with our self-protective reluctance to to receive a coach or to be to be to be, you know, uh, criticized or to be monitored, um, when you deal with that, you you realize that it's actually much easier to find a coach than what you expected. Once you've opened yourself up to be coached, once you stay in humility and you release all kinds of pride that you got built up in your heart, you know, you, you've passed that heart test, as it were. Uh, you've confronted the temptation to to uh, destroy your little G-God of yourself in your mind and your ability to preach. So now you can grow out of the stagnant and underachieving um, sermons that you're producing if you are producing those, if this podcast applies to you, that is. So whether you're a preacher, whether you're an elder, whether you're a deacon, whether you're a teacher or servant of any kind across the, the Brotherhood board, um, we, we want to have that. We want to have somebody who can, who can be that for us and get rid of the pride that's in, that's in your own heart that, that is, is just steeped with sin um, get rid of that. Just pray about it, move on, ask for forgiveness, and open yourself up. So let's find a Dwayne. How do you go about engaging a preacher coach? Um, let's think about premarital counseling for, for, just the, for just the moment. If you sit down, and I trust that you have, most people who, have, who are listening to this podcast, you probably counseled uh, marriages before. If you haven't and you are a preacher, you will at some point in time, probably. But maybe maybe tell the engaged couple to identify a married couple whose marriage seems very strong, very satisfying. Uh, then go to that go to that that couple, that rich, spiritually rich, you know, um, concerning their marriage couple. And approach them with this kind of request. You know, say, hey, listen, we want to develop a solid marriage. We admire your marriage and we see what you are. We want that for our lives. You know, we, we're only in our 20s or our 30s now. We want to have what you have when you have it. You know, could we take some time? Could we sit down with some coffee? Could you? Could we talk to you, you know, a couple of times over the next few months and, and what it means and what it takes to build you know, a strong marriage. And in, in many years of, of doing that, um, you, you probably won't find a married couple who will turn turn that engaged couple down. You know, even if they don't personally know them per se, um, chances are you're going to have great success if you've got a young couple who are innocently trying to pursue an older couple and mimic and learn the secret to what they did 
And, and that older couple will want to help that younger couple flourish, especially in the kingdom. I mean, who wouldn't want that? Um, but when it comes to looking for a preaching coach, it's, it's somewhat similar. Prayerfully identify a preacher in your circle, in your relationships, whether that be a local preacher. Maybe you don't want a local preacher. Maybe, maybe you don't want somebody too close to the fire. Maybe you just want a confidant, somebody that you can talk to, somebody that you can uh, talk about your preaching and how it went and, and, and that sort of thing. But, but maybe it's somebody that you admire, somebody who is well-seasoned, and they have been there before. And, and approach them with that, that request, you know, I want to grow as a preacher. Or if you're an elder, you're a young elder. Listen, I want to grow into the elder that you are one day. If you're a deacon, you know, listen, I, I just started this deacon stuff. I got a young family. I'm really busy. How can I be effective? You know, you've been a deacon for, for 17 years. What can I do? What are the what are the odds and ends? How, how are you doing with time management? Whatever. But you sit down with somebody who is in the same situation that you are, and you say, hey, can we can we just go get a cup of coffee and sit down and chat about this? How can I become a, a more effective servant? If you're a preacher, it's a preacher. If it's an elder, it's an elder. It's deacon to deacon, teacher to teacher, etc. Um, that's that's where you want to stay. Stay in that lane. And most most people that you talk to will be encouraged by you affirming that they are uh, good at what they do. And that they will be glad to help you. They'll probably probably have a humble state at first to say, "Listen, <laughs> I don't have it figured out. <clears throat> I've learned a little bit along the way, and I'll be glad to share that with you." Um, but but when you have those conversations, especially as a preacher, you may may want to have a list of questions. You know, take out a, a yellow legal pad and just scratch everything out and say, you know. How do you approach your preparation? How do you move from exegesis to, to exposition? How do you go from studying a text to structuring a sermon? Uh, how do you how do you engage? Do you put your stories before at the end? How how much of a story is too much? Whatever. It, there's there's a thousand and a half questions that you can ask, but one of the main questions you want to pin probably at the top of this is the heart of of me as a preacher, elder, deacon, shepherd, wherever you are. But you ask the question, how has God shaped your soul as a preacher or as a fill-in-the-blank? What do you know now that you wished you had known earlier? Um, those kind of questions. Heart, heart, um, God-besotted questions. You, you want to have those in your mind. And over the course of the conversation, you will get a sense that this preacher or elder, whoever you are, whichever one you're asking, if they're going to be a helpful coach or not. Um, is there good chemistry? Are they honest? Is there candor? Do they take jest? Are they stuck up? Are they stiff? Do they not have personality? All those sorts of things. And, and, and as you begin to sit and listen, you'll, you'll see those things. And if they are good candidates for being a coach, um, ask him to watch or to listen to your sermon uh, or sermons. Uh, give your feedback. You know, even if, even if it's just one sermon a month. I mean, preachers are listening to sermons for the most part. Um, and ask ask for ways that it can be strengthened. The way that how can what kind of what can I do better in here, coach? You know that sort of thing. And and you want to make sure to thank this 
this servant for investing time and energy into your life, into your ministry, into your work for the glory of God. You know, so far we've talked about um, coaching as if you can only have one. But there's good in a plurality of coaches. Um, I've read that Phil Mickelson, um, PGA golfer, you know who he is, I trust, that he's got a team of coaches that help him with various different aspects of his game. Over the course of ministry, we need to receive coaching from professors, peers, preachers, you know, and, and even your wife, even your wife. Um and just sit and listen to her because she knows you in a way that nobody else does. And so uh, don't forget that she's your preacher too. So listen to her. Um, each each coach that you have provides a great blend of encouragement, of challenge, and it helps us improve as preachers and teachers and shepherds of God's kingdom. When Paul wrote a letter to give Timothy some really very personalized coaching, he told him to work hard at preaching and teaching. And he challenged, you know, Timothy not to not to stagnate or, or, or underachieve as a preacher. The outcome, Paul said, was that people in the congregation would see his progress, First Timothy 4.15, and that they would be able to say, you know, hey, he's a better preacher this year than he was last year. If we continue to grow as a preacher, Getting coaching along the way uh, from people that know this work, who know what I'm in, who know what I'm vested in, who know how to help me, at the end of the day, the church will be able to say, look how far they have grown, look how far they've invested their time and their effort, their money and their energy into the kingdom of God, and we give thanks to God for them. That is at the heartbeat of being an effective gospel preacher is that you receive the just criticism and coaching that you need to better work the work of God.